Welcome to the possibly most frustrating pre-football <laughs> log. Uh, I wish we had some sort of exciting excuse as to the reason that uh, so much technicality in this modern age went wrong, uh, but we don't. We're both just grown adults who can't operate the basics of Skype. I was sitting here quite able to operate it, I thought, but then then you also thought you were as well, and neither of us could manage to speak to the other one. No, it's amazing, isn't it? We we have learned nothing in our formative years, but you know what? It doesn't matter. We're here to talk about football, not ways of telecommunication via the World Wide Web. And we are now on episode, is this 16 now, I think, of you're on your uh, own. Football Log? You're on your own, young man. I have not got a clue. I was actually thinking that earlier. What on earth can we possibly be up to? There will be people out there that know, uh, the loggers, the regulars, they'll be, they'll be yeah. waiting with bated breath because we've kept them in suspense for quite some time now. It's been a while, hasn't it? Mm. I blame that. Well, I'm, glad we, I'm glad we finished that bit anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I blame that mostly <laughs> on you, uh, the delay. There's actually a slight delay on this, as you might notice as well. So the best way to avoid that is for Paul, if you don't say anything for the next Okay. Episode. Excellent, it's going well so far. Okay. Because, yeah, because what is we've there got, a delay? <laughs> <laughs> what got to talk about today is um, from today's sun. Okay. A newspaper that I know you subscribe to. <laughs> yes, I certainly do. A story that I thought we should just start straight off with, and we'll, we'll start with the championship altogether, is uh, Neil right. Warnock is going to get a war chest. Oh, really? From uh, from QPR? Yeah, I mean, I think it sounds like he's you know going to war with Belgium or something. It sounds very sexy. Uh, but actually, he's been handed £10 million uh, to take QPR into the Premier League. Rangers' new boss was informed of his summer transfer budget at a meeting with the club's board, who aren't short of a few pennies. And he's been told he can use any cash raise from selling players this summer to strengthen his squad. What do you make of that? Well, I mean, it's a shame that Newcastle haven't got that option. He could pay our legal bills. Uh, for trying to get our star striker off assault charges. But other than that, yeah, well, it's, I mean, everybody's been expecting a big splash from QPR at some point soon, haven't they? And obviously there's this whole thing with Briatorian and the revolving door of managerial gomers that they went through for a while. And now uh, if they finally settled on Warnock, then, you know, then good luck to him, I say. Yeah, by the way, speaking of managerial gomers, didn't he do well in goal last night against Fulham? Yes, indeed, yes. Absolutely wonderful. The, uh, I, I sort of I'm quite into the romance of you know secretly supporting Fulham at the moment, but I can I can still maintain doing that in just Europe, I suppose. And uh, nice to see all the Spurs fans uh, ecstatic to be going to Wembley in a year that doesn't end with a one. Well, when I heard that Fulham had beaten the old lady, I thought, oh no, not Roy Hodgson in the papers again. What's going on? <laughs> it was Avram Grant all along. Uh, but moving swiftly on, do you think that Neil will raid his not old Roy, club? Not Uncle Roy, not Uncle Roy. Do you think that Neil will raid his old club palace for uh, some of their star players like Speroni and Klein and uh, Scannell and Dans and Ambrose? Darren Ambrose. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, it tends to be the way, doesn't it? I mean, managers, you know, will leave a club. Although, in fairness, I say that, and the first name that popped into my head was uh, old Jose. And he did try and make a few um, interesting bids for a couple of his stars from Chelsea, which didn't come through. But it does tend to be the way that managers will, you know, take a few of their players with them. Mm, and if they do that, do you think QPR will then be, because, you know, Newcastle, West Brom, they're going up. Uh, that'll leave Middlesbrough from the 2009 relegation premiership side, who'll still get the parachute money, so there'll be QPR, Middlesbrough, plus, plus three others going down, although we think Portsmouth aren't really going to be splashing the cash. So then, you know, teams like maybe Hull, uh, Cardiff, I'm assuming Hull are going down here, Sheffield United, we're going to be cash-strapped. Big clubs like Norwich and Leeds, they might come up with money to spend. It could be a very different championship. It really could, but I mean, that being said, Leeds are kind of doing their very best to torpedo what seemed like a, you know, an absolute dead cert that they'd be promoted this season. And I know that they're still in second, but you know, the, the, the drop off of points accumulated that they seem to have managed to work out is astonishing, really. They were running, absolutely running away with it at one point. They were, and they have blown it, but let's hope they continue to do that because I would love to see them get knocked out in the playoffs. Yes, you would, wouldn't you? You've got a real soft spot for Leeds United. I certainly do. I think it'd be sort of creepy about our spot. Haven't they suffered enough? Yeah, they haven't. No, I'd like to see more. Uh, <laughs> it was ever since I met that witch doctor. It was around about ten years ago. They were celebrating, I do believe, a semi-final against Valencia, and I thought, I can't have any more of this. I have to go and seek uh, medicine of a different kind. And, uh, yeah, she, she, was, she was a shaman at one stage, and I begged. I begged for uh, bad tidings to come to Leeds and Sheffield Wednesday. You look back to that ten years ago, practically today, it all went wrong for both of them. 
Honestly, mate, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> hey, how long were you waiting to Sorry. say that? Oh, just, well, really, only since you said shaman. I mean, I must admit, yeah. while I do occasionally think up jokes for this log, <laughs> that one would have been uh, really remarkable, you know, predicating it on the fact that you might mention a shaman. Yeah. Or the shaman, uh, yeah. Electronica 90s dance band, who were quite decent, actually, on the day. The shaman, yeah, isn't that a nickname for a lower league football team that you're going to tell me now? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think okay, I will. Well, there why we are. You, why, <laughs> I don't, why don't you tell everybody? Uh, Apparently, no, the funniest part of the last log was when you and I basically, when you, when everybody realised that I knew nothing about football, mm. and you just set me up to fill in the gaps that were very, very easy. Mm. Apparently, that works out pretty well, <laughs> even though we've got the same voice. Uh, it did, it did apparently work pretty well. Well, let's try that right now, shall we? Yeah, why not? Why not? Newcastle have played one game fewer than West Bromwich Albion. Ah. West Bromwich Albion currently have 78 points, whilst Newcastle are top. Well, I was going to say two points ahead, but they are top, so you're not technically wrong. Now, I've, no, done, not. I've done a little prediction. I don't know if you saw it. The BBC predictor? Yes, I was busy typing away, and I actually think it will end as it is now, with Swansea and Cardiff just swapping fifth and sixth. Other than that, Newcastle, West Brom, then Forest, Leicester, Cardiff, Swansea. Your thoughts on the championship? Well, I did the predictor as well, and I ended up with Newcastle winning the league by one point, which, to be honest with you, because of the way we were playing away from home, which, all right, we were drawing, but we really weren't, you know, I don't know if you saw the Bristol City match. Yeah, yeah I but did, it really yeah. wasn't, really wasn't all that convincing. Although, thank, thank God for championship standard defending for, <laughs> uh, Honas's, uh, goal, which got us right back in the, uh, mixer there. Yep. And we have got a game in hand on them, I suppose, which will be Monday night against Nottingham Forest. I mean, that'll be a big game, uh, mm. St. James's Park if we, can get three points there, you know, then suddenly the last, um, well, it'll be, what, seven games, I suppose, after that. Mm. Um, you know, the, at least our destiny is very much in our own hands. But, I, you know, I see West Brom winning more and more. I saw Stephen Reid uh, score the winner last night. Was it last night or the night before? Uh, Tuesday night, maybe. Um, and I, I'd written down, pleased to see Stephen Reid scoring, because the first school I ever taught at, he went to. And then I realised that that's absolutely no reason to be pleased to see him scoring, and also annoyed because <laughs> he got the winner for West Brom. So actually, yeah, I think I was last night. Him score at yeah. all? Yeah, you, last night. you mentioned Newcastle's away form. You, you've actually won yeah. eight and lost four. Yeah. Now losing four away, that's not bad. West Brom have lost three, but other than that, it's actually the best. And you, actually, if you go right down the championship for away form, you'll see that Crystal Palace in the relegation zone have only lost five away games. Their problem has been drawing games. Well, Palace, haven't Palace also had a problem being deducted a load of points? Even if they had been uh, not deducted, they'd still only be 13th in the league. That's oh, really? where Bristol City are. They've lost nine games away from home. Right. Well, they looked pretty decent against us uh, the other day. Although I think, again, it maybe wasn't a case of Bristol City looking that good, although they contained, you know, whatever small threat Newcastle do pose relatively well. But, you know, I thought that we were very extremely underwhelming. Mm. Um, and in terms of the rest of the championship, I mean, you know, obviously it does look like... I'd be surprised to see Newcastle finish outside the top two now. Um, although, you know, stranger things have certainly happened to us in our time. And we are doing our best to torpedo our own season. Um, but I think that your predictions are probably right. Um, who do you have going down? Uh, unfortunately, I, I was going to go... I was going to go with the three P's, uh, with the Pigs, Plymouth and Peterborough. Plymouth and Peterborough, yeah. Uh, but it's actually going to be Palace to complete that uh, P selection, Paul. Well, I mean, Wednesday, Wednesday are what? Five, four points off, uh, safety. It's not exactly a done deal, and Watford have got two games in hand on them, so. Interestingly enough, Sheffield Wednesday play Crystal Palace as the last game of the season. That could be a super, oh, really? super decider. That could be a massive game, because I mean, uh, Crystal Palace's goal difference is vastly superior to Wednesday's as well. Yes, it is. It's minus so, four. Uh, yeah. Minus four and Wednesday's minus 17. So that, even that could may end up playing a big part. I think we could see goal difference playing a massive part across the board because I think the premiership could be decided on it as well. It won't be, of course, because it never is, but there's <laughs> as good a chance now as there has been for a long time. Mm, absolutely. In my, in my BBC, uh, premiership predictor, I had Arsenal to win it by a point. Oh, yeah. right. That's something I, I'm going to disagree with, but we will talk okay. premiership a little bit later on yeah, in further yeah, detail. Course. But just to sort of wrap up, uh, the, the championship, one of the teams that is definitely going to be joining the championship that we touched on briefly is Portsmouth. Yeah, I think um, it's hard to see them, especially with the points deduction coming back from it now. Well, maybe they're going to do a, a kind of Italian football thing and actually be relegated below the championship. Well, because of the administration problem. Because they've been allowed to sell players again now, haven't they? Yeah, just on Sky on uh, the 24th of this month, uh, Portsmouth, it was announced, were allowed to sell any of the players that they wanted from now till the end of the season... Possibly a bargain to be had for other clubs there. Uh, I think Definitely, it's yeah. 
the case that they're well, basically... They're not, they're not allowed to bring anybody yeah. else in, are they? No, I think it's totally out of order. The Premier League bending their own rules. You know, was, would this have been allowed for Palace, Leicester, Boston, Luton, Leeds? You know, I could go on. Well, you could indeed. And the sort of, you know, the sad thing is that a lot of people have, have floated this opportunity before and everybody, I think, has said, well, that that simply isn't fair. You know, because you're, you're effectively, if they now get out of this trouble they're in, obviously you don't want to see a football club go under. And I think that, you know, as a neutral in the matter, you know, I've got nothing against Portsmouth, but it is hard to avoid the feeling that this whole situation is very much of their own making. So if we then start bailing them out, uh, you know, is that right? I don't know, really. I mean, maybe maybe it's the greater part of valour or whatever the, the saying goes, that, that we do give them an opportunity to right the wrongs, but, you know, they have to accept that it's kind of their fault they're there in the first place. I think that the Premier League said that if another Premiership team buys a Portsmouth player, they can't even play them till next season. So there's nothing actually oh, really? in it. There's okay. nothing in it for the player. But I think it's different for other leagues if the player goes to a team in another league. Well, they need to um, offload. It's, it's not picky on, is it? It's um, Zinedine Dindan, I think. Because uh, if they I think play him again, it's going to cost him yeah. £4 million. Pounds. And Utaka's not on a, a, a cheap wage. eighty grand a week. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, we talked, what a signing up Harry made. Oh, yeah. We talked about him being on more money than um, Cesc Fabregas, which I think is, you know, fairly... Uh, an outrageous statistic to, to listen to. And actually, it was funny because Utaka, it's easy for me to say, scored a couple of goals in the Cup not long ago. And uh, there were people on the various websites and forums saying, oh, he's, he's starting to justify that wage. No, I'm sorry, that doesn't really <laughs> count. If you're no. on 80 grand a week and have been since September, and probably before that, and you've scored two goals in a, not meaning less, but let's be honest, you know, in the season Portsmouth are having, not exactly a season-saving match. I don't think that justifies, you know, because he's cost them about £4 million per goal or something ridiculous that he's scored from this. If he was also involved in the halftime entertainment and it was maybe something along the lines of brain surgery, <laughs> I would accept that wage packet. On-field on brain surgery? I think he also a tutorial as well for those amateur brain surgeons out there. Yeah, like Andy Carroll. Yeah, actually, what's going on with him? I heard he's got into a fight with Stephen Taylor as well as a lad in Newcastle. Is outstanding, yeah, well, he... doing the very best he possibly can to ruin this fantastic re- reputation that you've single-handedly built up for him. I have, haven't I? Well, the thing is, he's scored 10 for us in his last 11 games, and at the end of the day, you can you can turn a little Raji Chav from Gateshead into a professional footballer, and he might even be outstanding, but uh, you can't change the fact that he's an idiot deep down, and, you know, it's... It seems to have been that he got into trouble in the on the big market, which is not a difficult thing to do, those of you who know Newcastle. Uh, and he is currently on bail for assault charges. And he got into some sort of melee with Stephen Taylor, club captain and uh, hero to the fans, it seems, um, about something or other on the training pitch. And he ended up getting in a fight and breaking his jaw, uh, Stephen Taylor's jaw. Um, and Stephen Taylor's gone to hospital. He's already been... He was already... And that be out for the season, and Newcastle haven't reported it to the police, presumably because of this, um, you know, current accusation or you know bail hearing that's, that's going on. So um, it seems like yes, he is trying to torpedo the reputation he's built for himself. Admittedly, he did score the winner against Doncaster, showing mm-hmm. that Stephen Taylor's jaw isn't the only thing he can hit from close range. <laughs> but my fear is that this is going to sink the good ship tune. I mean, because we're already, let's be honest, we only needed one more straw to break the back of this particular camel and while i'm getting a bit confused with my metaphors I, I do wonder if something like this could derail our season like i say while we are you know we're a good 10 points clear of third which is a nice position to be in and, and nearly what 21 points clear of sixth and over so i think seven, outside, uh, what is it i mean was it 30 points clear of us something like that uh sheffield united 54 newcastle united 80 so it's uh yeah 70, not 76, sorry, 26 points. Yeah, I was about to say that uh, as well, I don't know why. But yes. <laughs> 76 is quite a long way. 50 points clear of Peterborough, so we're not going down anyway. Um, but, you know, we could could end up fighting out in the playoffs. And quite honestly, looking at the teams that are in the playoffs right now, I mean, we'll learn more when we see Newcastle play Nottingham Forest, but they beat us earlier in the season at the City ground. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily fancy our chances in a two-match um, playoff against any of those teams, or even the ones on the periphery like Blackpool and Sheffield United. So if we don't finish in the top two, I think we've got a really good chance of being a massive scalp for somebody. Because while I, I don't subscribe to this condition that Newcastle are a massive club, as a lot of our fans seem to, I, th- I think it would be churlish to suggest that other teams in the Championship wouldn't fancy taking a piece out of us, uh, especially if it meant that they went up at our expense. I'd love, so, to, love to have heard you just after that match with Barcelona, uh, Tino Esprit <laughs> doing, pulling off the goods, saying, I'd be worried about a two-legged affair with Blackpool. 
I don't know. It's strange, isn't it? Um, and and what a what a distant distant memory that now seems. But uh, you know that that's the life of a football supporter, isn't it? I mean, if you ask a Leeds fan what it was like in the ten years between 1990 and 2000 when they won the old first division and then kind of had a rough spell and then let's were, just call you know, all of this pre-Shaman. Yeah, pre-Shaman. At the turn of the century, they were top of the Premiership. They'd probably have said to you, "Well, that's about as varied as it can get." You know, we yeah we've. And, and now look at them. So, you know, it is one of those things where I'm not under any um, misconceptions that it couldn't get any worse for Newcastle. It certainly couldn't. We're in a good position right now. But things like this, you know, fighting in the on the training ground, I mean, it's just pathetic. And it's just the exact sort of thing that you don't need. Andy Carroll, for, for all his faults, has been one of our best players this season. And Steven Taylor, when he's fit, is one of our best players. So this is not a situation that we need arising if it ends up that we have to sell one or the other of them just so the... They can get on. And of course, Newcastle have got passed with this as well, you know, with Bowyer and Dyer, who were never really Newcastle boys anyway, especially not Bowyer, filthy, dirty, horrible, racist, yeah, but, well, <laughs> alle- allegedly, <laughs> let's be. Far too late. You did? Yeah. Yeah, far, far, far too late. What a disgusting human being. But, um, nobody was, nobody could care less about those two. They were just being, you know, petulant little girls, and that's okay, fine. But, but if we stick with the realm that I know you're used to in the playground of, of violence, and we yeah. move, from Newcastle and infighting to uh, outfighting, for want of a much better word, uh, with uh, Maluda and Sturridge. I don't know if you saw what happened. Sturridge apparently has broken Tommy Smith's nose, and Maluda has cracked uh, Rocha's cheekbone. Both stray arms. Maluda got booked. Sturridge got away scot-free. So what are your thoughts on that? Have you seen them? And if you haven't, this will be very quick. Yeah, I haven't seen them, I'm afraid. I did read that, it, that something had been going on, um, but I haven't had a chance to check out the highlights yet, so I haven't seen it. I was just far. more did amazed you... that Tommy Smith's still playing, you know, with those dodgy knees, and he had his testimonial for Liverpool about 30 years ago. So uh, That's true. To... He's, he's been around, hasn't he? He has. <laughs> he's done the rounds. Yeah, but actually, I've seen him, just to be uh, wrap this up then, if you haven't, uh, totally innocuous for me, both of them. Uh, the slow-mo doesn't look like intent. You know, it's not like some of the challenges you see, and actually, when you slow them down, they look worse. They both yeah. look... Did you see Gerrard's elbow against Bolton? I did, yes. Yeah, that was, that was pretty undefensible, wasn't it? Not like him. No, no. Well, perhaps he made some crack about, you know, being in charge of the music on the way home. I don't know, but he's... <laughs> he's a miles man of fella. Uh, he is. He's not that kind of player, but odd to see that the FA weren't charging the England vice-captain in a World Cup year for that uh, situation. It's strange that he got away with it, really. Yeah, if you're talking about the hierarchy being corrupt, then you lead me on beautifully to Michel Platini, uh, <laughs> a second term in office. Yeah, he was a great player, wasn't he? Such a shame. Such a shame. Because yeah, Sepp... Sepp is always going to be remembered as an absolute clown, but we we never really have any evidence of him having been a once great man in the world of football. But Platini's in danger of in, you know ruining his entire legacy, which is really sad because he was genuinely a, a fantastic player. Mm, it is a shame. Some some of his ideas I, I disagree with, and you couldn't possibly imagine about how much. Uh, but some of the <laughs> things I do actually like. Uh, he is quite a big advocate of um, no technological improvement in football, and I am on the side of that. I don't want replays. I don't want goal line technology. I love controversy and hugely unfair decisions. So uh, that, for me, I'm on his side with that. Although I do feel like is I'm this in the a minority. Sheffield United fan telling me that you don't yeah. mind hugely controversial decisions? Because I'm know, sure that on this very podcast yeah. before you've contradicted yourself. <laughs> no, no, I've always said you know that, that justice should be uh, served, but I think it should be done in the 90 minutes on the pitch. And I like the fact that referees, you know, you know, on the day when you go to the game and you hear the referees, you can go, oh, God, not him again. Whereas if it becomes uh, all about technology, then actually you don't need an arbitrator. Uh, you could actually just have uh, this goal line technology has the ball across the line. Yes, it beeped. Oh, what happened there? Let's look on the screen. We'll all be our own referees. I think it would change the game and take it too far away as it almost is already uh, from, you know, small boys on the park. John was the goalpost, isn't it, aren't they? Marvellous. Marvellous. But you've got to think as well. I think that you've got a very valid point there and made very well, if I may say so, mate. Uh, but at the same time, you've also got to think about, you know, how, how similar to park football is normal football right now? You well, know, I've sort it, of just said that. So sorry, I say normal football, but yeah, but this is the thing, you know, if, if we've got people earning millions of pounds a year in million pound competitions, I mean, I like controversy as well. Believe me, I do. And I, and I'm not entirely sure which side of the fence I fall on for this argument, but I think things like goals that are or aren't goals, I think that's something you've got to find a way of getting right, because, you know, that does make such a massive difference to people. When it's just the odd offside and the throw-ins and the corners, and I know that if you want to start with one thing, you know, where yeah. does it stop? But Offsides could mean a whole whole different sort of game. It would slow it right down. So many well, offsides... 
that are incorrect Seth would have led to goals, which you've got a problem with being given or not given. So it's either I think it's all or nothing. <laughs> yeah, I hate goals. Me as a football <laughs> fan, can't stand them. Um, I was gutted at that 6-5 the other day. I love a good nil-nil. Yeah, well, there's, is there such a thing as a good nil-nil? Not when Blackburn Rovers are playing, probably, but uh, other than that, possibly. But what Certainly I was going to say was... the uh, Chernomore-Bulgarian League game that I had a bet on today, which uh, ended nil-nil. That was a real... What, what are you doing with these random bets? Because you had one oh. on Medina <laughs> in the Serie B, didn't you? Yeah, that was a nil-nil as well. Uh, just out of yeah. well, if you really must know, yeah, I told you about that credit card debt. I've decided on the most ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> most ridiculous way to pay it off. Uh, it's not like you, mate. To, to gamble. And, uh, yeah, kids, it's not a good idea. No, it's not. You know, you know they call it gambling for a reason. Well, yeah, unless you're actually in Turkey, and uh, you might have heard that Turkish police have arrested 46 people in connection with a European-wide football match-fixing scandal, uh, which actually first... Were they all Italian, by any chance? No, no, it's all, it's all, it's all Tur- Turks in Germany. I mean, actually, oh, right. apparently it's not illegal to fix a match in Turkey, or, or at least you can't be prosecuted for it. Isn't that bizarre? So they're actually challenging this in Germany, and uh, there's been arrests in 26 towns and cities across the country. Among those detained oh. are a number of well-known players. Oh, really? Maybe um, old named. Maybe old Darius Vassell's been into it, because he's been bored out of his mind into it. Have you read his blog? Oh, I don't know what he's up to. I heard that it's not going quite as well as it should have been. No, it's a really interesting sort of blog, because it's sort of this lifestyle of the forgotten man of football in a way because he's kind of gone out there and got this hero's welcome but he's not playing and I, it's just like you know the the day-to-day boredom of a footballer who doesn't play well name is... me an englishman who's gone to turkey and succeeded we had kevin campbell going kevin out. Ca- i was just gonna say kevin campbell um yeah i mean it's not a huge uh, list is it we've had players uh, that have played in england and gone to turkey and done quite well but not actual english passport holders no, well, you see, they had a massive opinion of him over there in Turkey because, I don't know if you remember, but he played for England against Turkey in a World Cup qualifier. And he was absolutely fantastic that day. And so when he went there, there was a, a you know, big deal about it. But um, since then, it's, uh, yeah, it's not exactly been a glittering uh, career for him. And Harry, is Harry Keel still at Galatasaray? He is, yes. Yeah, because it's 10 years, uh, it's very soon, I think, and I think, is it Leeds' is next away game even? It's 10 years since... Um, mm. Spate and Loftus were, were killed in, in the, uh, you know, in Leeds' glory day, you'd have to yeah, say. Yeah, I had so. nothing to do with that, uh, by the way. I should stress that. But. No, I, I, I don't believe for a second that you did. Um, but I think it's worth just mentioning that on that day, I think it's, I didn't join the group on Facebook because I don't want to be disrespectful to the Leeds fans who are genuine Leeds fans and, and were kind of caught up in that. But I think everybody will be stopping to take a moment for that because it's you'd hope so. one of the saddest, uh, well, it is one of the saddest kind of indictments of the modern game. And I know that to, a reputation for it, but so do other, you know, English football fans can't talk about having a reputation for violence. It's, um, something like that is, is really when it goes too far. So, uh, you know, thoughts will be, thoughts across the football world, I would imagine, uh, will be with the Leeds fans on that day. And that's just, just sort of sticking in, not with something you can say. Yes, yeah, just, yeah, you're right. Sticking in Turkey and, and getting back to football, um, Colin Kazan yeah. Richards has left Fenerbahce to go to Toulouse. And right. we, t- we touched on the reasons behind that. Yeah, we did, didn't we? He had a bit of um. Well, steady well, he, on. He was bought, he's, steady he was on. relaxing. Well, steady on. In a Stop saying it. Stop saying it. Stop talking. Wasn't no, he? he's sued all of those that oh, have God, has he? that. Yeah, he sued everyone who said that. Yeah, I didn't really say it. I was just you know, no. I know you didn't because I stopped I you. But he has sued all, all of the broadcasting and uh, newspapers that, that have mentioned that, and apparently it didn't happen. Whatever we weren't talking about, and he's gone to Toulouse yeah. for footballing reasons. Good. Well, why wouldn't you? I mean, you know, yeah. Toulouse is a footballing capital of France, isn't it? Really, it's a in, t- in a year t- when, in a year when I think six out of the last, uh, what was it, five? Oh God, here we go. This is where my statistics get all messed up now. The last eight of the Champions League, I think there's at least four French managers, twenty French players, which puts them top of the uh, league of the country with the most players left in the Champions League. And, uh, you know, Toulouse, right up there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. I'm completely wrong. But uh, there's definitely going to be a French side in the Champions League semi-finals this year. So maybe French football is the place to be right now. It's an odd old career path, isn't it? He's, he's been at Brighton, having been the Coca-Cola kid. Uh, you know, he's, he's moved around all sorts of places. And, and to jump completely to Turkey, then France, it just seems yeah. like it's a career path you could never have mapped out. even if you. There were... are players, I think, who they make crucial wrong decisions early in their career and it can seem to follow them around you know for the rest of their lives you look at somebody like say wayne rooney made the decision to go to man united i think we can safely say that that has worked out fairly well and then um, the flip side of the coin jody morris 
Well, you know, I know that people probably giggle at that, but you know, Jody Morris was pretty highly rated in yeah. his day. No, I'm being you serious. Know, I, I always think about Scott Parker having done so well at Charlton and moving on to Chelsea. Uh, endless players who came to Newcastle and um, and uh, slowly died a death there. Whereas somebody like Ginola, for instance, came for a couple of million quid from France and, and was a roaring success in English football, I think. So it is strange, isn't it, how sometimes you never quite know uh, what the future will hold. Mm. I actually never know what the future will hold. Uh, one of the things... <laughs> One of the things I do know is that um, we were talking about how the grassroots game can very quickly just become so, so far away from the professional game. But there is yeah. a lovely story, uh, and it also coincides with this being this week's lower league one to watch, of Swindon okay. Town uh, signing a lad that you might have heard of. Have you, are you familiar with uh, Charlie Austin? No. That name does not leap out at you and go, oh yes, Charlie Austin, what a decent signing that would be for the Magpies, much better than Leon Best. Nope, not not you. Uh, <laughs> no, it didn't. Never really. mind, let me tell you the stats, because I know you love goals. Well, I believe the Leon Best thing, but go on. Well, Swindon signed this lad from non-league. He scored 48 goals in 43 appearances for Pool Town last season. Not bad. Yeah, not bad, yeah, you're a hard man to please. Uh, this season, yeah, he's got... 15 goals in 24 appearances. They sort of brought him on gently. Oh, he's slacking off. Well, he was mostly, off. mostly been as a substitute. Um, he's very big. He's good in the air, proving his quality now in the lower leagues. He's a player that uh, Jeff Stelling will often mention because he likes him. Um, but, you know, he's only 20. How much do you reckon this lad could be yeah. worth come the end of the season? Well, if he's, if he's you know, kicking on and he's really putting in a good shift, like you say, then this is, again, going to be a crucial season for him because at 20, ironically and, and strangely, it seems, for a footballer, he already could be relatively experienced, so his next move could be, a, you know, one of the crucial career-defining ones for him. Yeah, he's had chances in the past. He was offered a trial at Southampton, but they turned him down at the age of 18. Portsmouth, Bournemouth, Bristol City all took a look at him. The really weird thing, I don't know if you know about this, but Bournemouth, they wanted to sign Austin, but they weren't allowed to. And if you don't know, Bournemouth aren't allowed to sign out-of-contract players due to this pathetic transfer embargo that they've been under all season. I mean, they've got a squad of 21, and they can't sign out-of-contract players. It's just... It's when you look at the Premier League's rules that we've already heard about Portsmouth and the Football League, because they're both completely separate, it does seem like nonsense. Yeah. We're not trying to help teams in the Football League. If you're in trouble, you're on your own. No, there does seem to be a kind of a community feeling about that, doesn't it? While the mm. community stands by and does nothing about it. But there is a sort of feeling that, yeah, you are hung out to dry a little bit um, in, in the lower leagues. Because, you, like you say, you can, you can reel the list of clubs off who have been through this kind of problem. And, and obviously we talked about Chester City not long ago. And, you know... We we know they're not the first, and we know, sadly, they won't be the last. And So, yeah, it is a bit of a shame. Now, Mr. Stavely, I've uh, given us so much to chew over. We've been chewing the cud for uh, nearly half an hour, so I thought, well, we've yeah. done it kind of like a first half, if you will. Um, the second half is pretty much over to you. Is it really? Shall we it start is. that right away? Let's go. Well, we've already covered... <laughs> Good. Well, as you know, I um, was preparing some stuff earlier today, and I thought to myself, well, I tell you what I ought to do. I ought to write about Celtic, because I don't know if you saw, and I'm sure you did, that St. Mirren did them 4-0 last night, and it yeah. was their sixth, uh, sixth, was it, away defeat of the season now? And I was writing that, you know, Mowbray's been harangued from all quarters, and people seem surprised because he, quote, did a good job at West Brom. But actually... Did he really? You know, they they played some nice stuff for sure, but that's not going to cut the mustard at a club like Celtic. I mean, they're one of two horses in that country, and they're being left in the dirt by the other one. Rangers have got two games in hand and are ten points clear, and Rangers could get the treble. In fact, with Celtic offering absolutely no resistance. So I was going to say, surely he can't be long for this world. And just literally, as I finished writing that, I shut my um, notes down and f- pulled up the BBC website to see if there's any more sporting news. And the news had been that he'd been sacked. So um, you know. I guess uh, that they must have been listening to me on some kind of uh, astral plane. So Celtic now without a manager, the, this season's the write-off for them, and, and Rangers are going to walk the league and possibly the other two trophies as well. Well, they're what out. Do you they, think, they got uh, knocked out of the cup by Dundee United last night. Oh, was it last night? Yeah, they got knocked out one 0 uh, last-minute goal. Damn, I missed that. You see, sorry, the Arabs. See, this is the thing. In all my in all my checking up on last night's scores, and I really was checking them up as well. Uh, I <laughs> forgot to check the Scottish the SPL. I suppose you just presume after. Well, a while it wasn't that, in the SPL. Uh, it was it was in the cup. But it doesn't matter, Paul. You keep digging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I even forgot to check the entire country of Scotland for right. any news, except to see that Celtic had been beaten and that Mowbray well, has now been. Neil Lennon, is that right? Has been put in temporary charge. Uh, I I haven't heard that, but that's a, I. The only thing I this read really is a subject been, you should talk about. Dismissed. I think so, yeah. I ought to do a football podcast, really. You I mean, I, I looked at... 
Yeah, I looked at um, who'd be next, and I think obviously the favourite is currently old Gianfranco Zola at West Ham. David Sullivan says he absolutely won't be sacked, so I reckon in the next 10 days uh, we'll be hearing that he has been. And um, I don't know who's going to come into... I mean, apparently they were after Martinez at Wigan before... Um, Celtic, this is, sorry. Yeah, before they yeah. got Mowbray. Do you think that would be a move he'd be interested in? Uh, well, I'll tell you what who they won't be interested in, and that's probably because he'll be opening up a karaoke bar as we speak. Uh, Phil Brown... Yes, indeed. Uh, well, of course, there's Megson, who's always uh, around these jobs. But and Kirbishley um, yeah, as well. Phil, well, apparently Kirbishley got right down to some serious contract discussions with Hull, but um, he wanted a longer contract than they were prepared to give him. Because of course, his success at Charlton was largely predicated on the fact that he'd been there a long time. I mean, he he established that kind of stability in the club. And of course, Premiership managers, uh, sorry, Premiership chairman, don't allow for that anymore. Mm. Um, there isn't that kind of sense that. You know, somebody like Fergie is going to come through the ranks and helm a club if they haven't had a great first couple of years. Well, do you think that in 20, 30 years... If Fergie was manager of Burnley, let's say, that they would stay up? What, right now? Right now. It takes over tomorrow. Yeah. You reckon that they... I see, I disagree with that, and I think that that would would prove my point rather than the fact that there aren't Ferguson's coming through, because Fergie's been all about stability and didn't actually start that quickly. And I think that, yeah, I'm on Kirbishley's side. You need a long contract? Yeah, he might take... Oh, I think he'd... Pull down, but he'd take him back up. Yeah, I think... No, I think you do, but I think that... Yeah, if Ferguson, as he was in 1986, took over tomorrow at Burnley, they'd probably go down. But I think because of the stability he's had at Man United, if he took and the improvement he's made to his managerial game, I mean, they, you know, they're in line for their fourth title in a row, and that's, and then they're going to be. Well, I say they're going to be. It could well be in two consecutive Champions League finals, which is, um, you know, three consecutive Champions League finals. Sorry, which is better than the '99 team did. So you know, he's obviously improved in his time there. I think if he, as he is, took over at Burnley tomorrow, he'd find a way of keeping him up, yeah. Well, it's it's all about, you mentioned crucial moments in your career. Well, I think yes. it's just the same with managers. And I was looking at Fulham against Juventus, and I thought, you know, we were in a very similar position to Fulham. They were just, you know, in the same sort of uh, seven points clear of relegation, ten points clear when we went down as well at the same time. And yeah. then it's all about who you appoint after that. They appointed Roy Hodgson at just the right time. It was the perfect marriage. You know, it was two the people that were in the right place at the right time, Al Fayed and, and, and Hodgson, and it's just clicked. And it's all about it really has. Like, the right manager. Ian Dowie, I'm afraid, Ian, if you're listening, uh, you're not the right guy. I know he's not technically the manager. I'm not sure what bizarre title they've given him there. I think uh, advisor or something, but it's not. Yeah, there is some strange thing going on there. I can't see that working. I think that there was there was better out there, and actually, Kirbishley would have been my number one choice if I was a Hull fan. Yeah, I mean, the way Hull are playing this season, you'd be surprised if they stayed up if anybody took over, really. But you'd have to say that in that situation, you'd want somebody like Kirbishley at the helm. I mean, Dowie's experience in the Premiership is limited, really, to relegation. And um, and in terms of the Championship, you know, he's he's done okay. But Well, he did well with Oldham it, in League One, and he did well with Palace. That's it. There's never been success anywhere else or even close to well, success. He, he did well with Palace until they got to... The, I mean, I know they did all right. They nearly stayed up, and obviously it was a last-day, you know, thing. But they still got relegated, and, and you've got to ask if Hull... Well, that's success a, as far as Celtic is concerned, isn't it? Well, yes, indeed, yeah. If you play nice football and get relegated still, I mean, you know, I don't know. I can see what they were thinking, you know, former player, and, and he certainly had a good reputation down here as, an, as a nice guy, but it obviously hasn't worked out for old uh, Tony Mowbray up there. Who, who do you think... Talking then? about managers... Oh, go on. I was going to say, who do you think is going to be the next Celtic manager? Well, I, I mean, it's a difficult one to call, really. I can't see Megson being appointed or asked or even going up to Scotland if he did. I think you're right. I don't think Phil Brown will do it. In terms of who will step into the breach, it's difficult to know at this time, really, because you have to go through the whole merry-go-round of who's expressed an interest, who have the club said they want. and Well, let and, me you know, throw a name out there. Game of cloak and dagger that comes out from there. Go how's, on, then. how's about Lambert? Yeah, well, I mean, there's already be, already been talk of him filling that uh, vacancy, hasn't there? Yeah, well, it just works. I think that one is one that would click. Well, we'll have to see what uh, the powers that be uh, decide to do, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, certainly you can see a lot of um, you know reasons for that appointment to be made. Uh, he's done well, and uh, he was the last Scotsman to play in a European Champions League final. Really? What about John Collins? Was he before that? Uh, he did, Mon- did Monaco didn't get there though, did he? Oh, of course not. Actually, yeah, when they did get there, he wasn't playing for them. You know what? Yeah, exactly. He'd already exactly, yeah. he'd already hung up his boots. You're absolutely right. Okay, 
Actually, yeah. there was a, there was another so, uh, Scott. Then, it would have been changed by. <laughs> this delay is great, isn't it? I like it. It would have been uh, changed by Fletcher having played last year, but of course he got suspended because of this sending off. So yeah. this year, if uh, Man United do make it, we've got to talk about the Champions League in a minute. Uh, well, he will probably be, you know, breaking that record. Absolutely, yeah. You were going to say something before I interrupted you. It's a bit like when I do my link-ups to Afghanistan, except uh, it's slightly more dangerous at the moment. Uh, what, what do you think? Uh, well, only because of your bedrooms. What, in Gosforth? Yeah, it's terrifying yeah. there. I'm honestly, this, when I look out the window, I think I, I am not going to make it. But what do you want to talk to me about? I was going to talk to you about the Champions League, and as you know, the quarterfinals are right around the corner, and it's actually turning into a bit of a nifty little competition. And I thought we could have a look at because the route to the finals has been mapped out now. I wondered if you could call call the entire competition right now and tell me who you think is going to win. For those of you who don't know, the four ties are as follows: Barcelona against Arsenal, and Inter against Cesc Moscow. And the winner of those two ties will play the you know the other winner. Uh, and the <laughs> other pot, if you like, is Bayern Munich against Man United. Uh, and Leon v Bordeaux. So uh, Manchester United's route to the final, people are saying, is the easier of the two English teams. And I can see why, because obviously Arsenal are pitted against Barcelona. But um, Man United, believe it or not, have only beaten Bayern Munich once in, in their entire history in European competition. I wonder if Clive Tilsey would like to remind us uh, when that was. But for those of you who weren't there, it was the 1999 Champions League final. But since then, it's not been uh, plain sailing for United at all. And actually, Leon against Bordeaux, smacks to me of that kind of semi-final feel of the Leverkusen semi-final in 2002 when they all thought, oh, by Leverkusen will be easy, we'll go through here. And they just didn't turn up. So I wonder if Man United's route is quite as easy as they thought. Well, Bayern have arguably their best team for a little while. I mean, I'm not a fan of Louis van Gaal, but he is doing quite no. well out there at the moment. Well, I mean, you talk about crucial um, moments in people's career. You know, he was about he was about 90 minutes from losing his job. And now Bayern, people are saying that Bayern, you know, they're a good, I mean, any team with Robin and Ribery on the wings is going to have, uh, especially with this amazing gift they have for scoring massively offside goals, <laughs> are going to have a real chance of, um, of causing an upset, I think. Yeah, I, I, I personally, yeah, I agree with you, it could happen, but I can see Manchester United beating Bayern. I think the whole thing will actually be won by, rather typically, Barcelona. Yeah, I mean, I can see it being a repeat of last year's final, um, Man U against Barcelona, and Maybe, you know, maybe that will be deserved. Although, if Arsenal beat Barcelona, which I, I'm happy to admit is a gigantic if, um, I, can st- I can see them winning it. I can see them winning the whole competition and the league in my predictor. And this, I think that there's a sneaky chance that this could yet be Arsenal's best season since Wenger took over. With that defence? With that defence, I well, can't see it. <laughs> I mean, I want to talk about La Liga. I want to talk about uh, Leo Messi and the incredible couple of weeks he's had. If he plays against Arsenal in the same position, I heard this this morning, if he plays in the same position against Arsenal that he played against Zaragoza the other night when he scored this incredible hat-trick, uh, he will be playing in the little gap between Gael Clichy and Saul Campbell. And that on its own should petrify the idea of yeah. Arsenal fans. Yeah, I'm not uh, a fan of Clichy's work. And uh, Campbell obviously hasn't got the pace. He never really did. Uh, but he's got the strength to actually... He has got the strength, Messi. but you look at Messi's centre of balance. I mean, I don't know if you saw the Zaragoza goals. Yeah, yeah. All, he scored all, all, one of them. He was literally pushed to the floor twice and never took his foot off the ball. Mm. I mean, he's so good. And um, he's only 22. And, you know, you think, it's this worth reminding us. Yeah, it's worth reminding us. Well, I mean, I'll get on to Messi because I wanted to say, you know, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned... <laughs> you get on to Messi, yeah. I'll leave you alone. Yeah. He's five foot four. Oh. He wouldn't stand a chance. Um, he's quite clearly, for me, the best player in the world right now. But then when do you start elevating him to sort of hushed tones of the greatest players. You know, he's won more at club level now than Maradona and Best ever did, for example. So I was thinking, is he maybe the best player we've seen in our lifetime? 1986 was in our lifetime, but our footballing lifetime, which, as we all know, began in 1990. Um, (laughs) Is Messi the best player we've ever seen, you know, in our lives? Well, wouldn't that be disappointing, in a way, to say that for a 22-year-old? I I hate the idea of anyone being younger than me, never mind someone so talented. And it's depressing, isn't it? It is. I we, could ha- have, we could have ten more years of watching this guy play. I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever seen anybody um, control the ball and, you know, balance the way that he does, with the, at the speed he does it at as well. I would be tempted He's to say, better. let's give him five more years. If he's still performing at the very top level, doesn't have a knee lampty kind of moment, then sure. yes. Otherwise, he's going to be up there with Cristiano Ronaldo. And actually, I'd like to have said that if he'd ever played for a massive side... Uh, David Villa would have been one of the, the best goal scorers um, of all time. Definitely, yeah. 
I, I, I'm amazed he's still at, well, you know, obviously the transfer window, but I'm amazed he stayed at Valencia as, as long as he has. If he doesn't go somewhere this summer, I mean, you know, because Barcelona are thinking about a bit of an overhaul following Madrid's uh, quarter of a billion uh, euros spend that still got them knocked out of the Champions League at exactly the same point that they always get knocked out. They, <laughs> uh, Barcelona are thinking about bringing some fresh faces in, and with Ibrahimovic kind of working out, kind of no. not. I don't know if there's going to get rid. Do you reckon? I would rather have David Villa any day of the week. I'd rather have uh, Etu any day of the week. Well, I mean, if um, if it turns out that Liverpool have to sell Torres because they can't finish fourth this season, and it's not an impossibility by any means, if he went to Barcelona with Villa and they had Messi as well, I mean, it'd just be terrifying. I mean, even Pep Guardiola, who himself was a pretty decent player, let's be honest, yeah. uh, not in that sort of bracket, but he said, um, when they, they asked him about his uh, hat-trick against Aragotha, and he said, put the superlatives in yourself, I've run out. Mm. And it says it says a lot for his um, skills there, isn't it? Really? Okay, but, if you, uh, if you, you were... scored eight eight goals in twelve twelve goals in eight games or something ridiculous. Something ridiculous. If you were Mar- um, Maradona, if you were Guardiola, and you were allowed to make one signing next season with this enormous budget, you could buy one of the best players in the world. Not the player, but what position on the pitch do you think Barcelona would most need to fill? That's an interesting one because you look, you look at the first team squad and in actual fact there's really not much wrong with it. I mean Puyol's getting on a little bit but he still seems to be rolling back the years. Abidal is not in the class of Dani Alves but he does a decent job. Um, I mean you could you could maybe get a better left back, you could maybe get a covering defender but I think really where Barcelona need to strengthen is on the bench um, <laughs> because their first team I think could beat anybody on their day. And obviously you could make changes. You could swap Ibrahimovic for somebody like Villa. You could swap Henri for somebody like Rooney, say, you know, if you were playing champ manager. But you don't need to to make the team any better. But I think when one of their first team is injured, that's when you start to look at problems. So I wonder if it would be a, a, an, an opportunity for them to spend that money on strengthening the squad a little bit. Well, I would say... What do you think? Yeah, thank you, Mr. Stavely. Uh, I would say right wing uh, or, or, or left wing, uh, depending on where you're going to play Messi, or even if you're ever going to use him as a winger, so that they have the option of going to 4-4-2. They only sort of have strength down one side, and it would be, True. in my opinion, very uh, probably the left wing, I'd say, because Messi usually plays on the right, uh, even though he is... Messi will play on the right, and with... Yeah, so he can cut inside like he has been doing. Yeah. And with Danny Alves kind of patrolling behind him, I suppose you, there's certainly a point to be made that the left-hand side is nowhere near as strong as that. Um so, yeah, perhaps that would be the area to They've strengthen. used Pedro, but I would like to see if I could pick a player, uh, Ribery. Yeah, I think he'd be a massive signing for them. And especially because, I mean, Real Madrid seem very, very keen on signing Ribery. And, and I don't know, you know, how he feels about it. Obviously, I haven't spoken to him for a while. Mm. But I think that if he could find his way, you know, Henri is obviously, although he came on and, and looked very, very good uh, in the last couple of games, you know, everybody knows he's not perhaps the force he once was. And Ribery is starting to hit the kind of form that people have suggested he's always been capable of. Him at Barcelona, under the tutelage of Guardiola, with that team around him, I think he could turn into a genuine world beater. Yeah, if you're going to stick in La Liga, though, it would have to be Silva from Valencia, who seems to have just surpassed Vicente, who at one stage I thought was going to be the best left winger in the world. I remember Ranieri uh, saying similar things. Has just been Mm. limited to, uh, I think, just a couple of starts this season, only one La Liga start. Uh, That just shows how good Mata and Silva are, but but Silva in particular, I know he can play in the centre, but back out on the left for Barcelona... Oh, so tantalising. Silva's a fantastic player. I mean, really, really good. And, and he's one a player that I didn't really know an awful lot about until um, Euro 2008. And, mm. and that's sort of, you know, a bad uh, reflection on my footballing knowledge at the time. Um, and at least now we've got this podcast to show my bad reflection of my footballing knowledge now. Mm. But um, at the time, I wasn't really aware of him. But he's he's a very very talented player. And it's a shame that we can't get these players to come to the premiership but i don't maybe know who we can maybe they we would can. go to let's wait and see i mean i i heard talk that the um man united were after silver and via in the summer and it was apparently you know an off, obviously an awful lot of money but that i mean that would have been a, a frightening prospect um you know think how well man united have done with a squad that is not let's be honest their best squad uh, in in recent memory but with those two players added to it i think we could have been on for a really special season it would be but, slightly uh, more exciting than uh, gabriel obertan that's for sure Yes, it would. He hasn't really featured all that much, has he? But you never know. One for the fu- one for the future. Yeah. Um, as for the rest of La Liga, I mean, well, who cares? But it's going to form. Uh, it's really it's about Clasico. Although Barcelona could drop points against your lot, um, they're playing oh, Mallorca. I think. Can I tell uh, you my story? Weekend. Yeah, oh, please do. It'll be good for me. I've got tickets for the game. Okay. I'm going out to Mallorca. Yes, you are. And I can't go. 
Oh, oh. No way. Yeah. That's awful. It falls. They've moved the game. It falls on my mother's 60th birthday. She'll be happy I said that on the log. But you, that's the one sort of day that you couldn't really miss, isn't it? Yeah, but she'll have birthdays again. Oh, she'll no, have one next year. She's, she's booked all the restaurants. It just falls at exactly the same time on exactly the same day. Originally, it was going to be on a Sunday, but they've moved it uh, for Ruddy Barcelona's Champions League. And it unfortunately means that I will be free on a Sunday and with nothing to do. Oh. Do you know what? You, she's had 20, 26, 27 birthdays of yours. So, you know, do what she wants. Now, I think that it's, it's, it's only fair. And you know that I have nothing but... You know, you're, you're wasting your breath. <laughs> yeah, I know I am. Yeah. I've already sold the tickets on now. Uh, you're oh, wasting mate, your breath. I'm, dev- I'm devastated for you. I'm well, devastated. On Sunday the 11th of... Uh, yeah, on Sunday the 11th of April, the biggest game still remaining in the uh, La Liga calendar is El Clasico again, back at uh, the Bernabeu, where the... I mean, just the idea of Barcelona winning the Champions League there, by the way... Um, on May 22nd is just a fabulous idea. But um, I'll be in a bar in Tenerife watching that game, come rain or shine. It's nobody's birthday that day. Uh, so I'm, <laughs> I'm very sure much it looking is. forward to that. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah, but it's nobody's birthday who's going to have any bearing on... Well, I say that. I presume uh, I presume that's right. Uh, it could be interesting on Sunday. There's the Madrid derby, which is actually a big game because Atletico keep giving Real points and taking points off Barcelona. And they seem to be sort of getting the whole idea of being a rival club wrong. I was wondering if this uh, this weekend, having improved slightly in the league, if they can finally work out how to get it right and, you know, maybe uh, take some points off Madrid. I'm going to say, really you know, no, but I, I like the introduction. Thanks very much. So uh, let's talk about Italy because uh, Milan have got this incredible inability to go top of the league. I was talking about you know Barcelona and Real Madrid are really battling it out. And if you remember, we talked about um, the biggest gap between third and fourth, was it, or fourth and fifth maybe in mm. European football. The yeah, current we, gap between second. Done, but go on. <laughs> yeah, indeed. The current gap between second and third in the Spanish league is now 15 points. I mean, Sevilla um, have really dropped off. I know they're not who we're talking about. They really have, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be quite interesting to see, you know, the, the, the gap between third and fourth itself is six points. But then you've got a gap of only five points between eighth and fourth. So the last Champions League spot really is, you know, up for grabs. And obviously uh, your boys are in pole position right now. They've got a decent goal difference as well. So if they can get a result against Barcelona, I mean, it could scupper uh, Barcelona's season, but it'd be fantastic for Mallorca, wouldn't it? They won there. They will beat, well, they beat Barcelona at the uh, Son Mosh last season. They have a mm. good record against Barca. Actually, even in the new camp, uh, previous season, they beat them 3-2. It could, it could be. I think because Barca have got so much to play for, uh, that actually it won't. But you never know. The Islanders at home, that's the only time they're threatening. They drew 0-0 away last night, which is, yeah. we count that as a win against, uh, Rathing Santander. <laughs> so, I think let's be honest, between us, we can say this now on the log, look, look back on this one as well. That fourth place is not going to go to Real Mallorca. It would be lovely if it did, but even if it does, it's probably a season too soon. They need the money, but they certainly couldn't compete in the Champions League next season. I think you're probably right. And and, and it's about how they invest. If they did get the fourth spot, it's about how they invest that money. Well, they've already, they said, themselves, uh, they've already said if they do well, get that money, they're going to buy Borja Bolero from West Bromwich Albion. Now, that sounds slightly uh, disappointing, really. This player that's already there, you know, fans get excited about new signings, but he is the key. Yeah. Uh, so that would be a he great is. signing. And if they don't get the Champions League spot, they can't afford him. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty That'd crucial. But that would be... He's a big signing for them. He would, he would be a big signing for them. Yeah, but that would be the only signing they could make. Uh, so that basically, they'd be going into the Champions League with exactly the same squad, a squad that only has one recognised quality striker. True, but if they didn't then set themselves up as a Champions League club in that kind of you know extortionate wages and all the rest, they could use the money to just you know um, consolidate their debts into one low monthly payment, which <laughs> yeah, I think they could. you can do with some. <laughs> but they'd yeah. also and then perhaps build to... on that for next season. Yeah, but they'd probably drop into the Europa League, you know, through no fault of their own, trying not to get too far in this Champions League, True. and then yeah. you know having to play more games. They've got a very small squad. They'd get injuries. Their league form could drop drastically. Uh, last time they were in That's Europe, true. they nearly got relegated. That's true. I mean, the Europa League, after all the slugging off, which is quite deserved, by the way, because the whole competition is organised like a joke. Uh, but the games and the teams are actually quite making quite making quite an interesting uh, little competition. I mean, Fulham against Juventus. You know, we did we did talk about it. it what what a fabulous uh, night that must have been for Craven Cottage. But uh, I, talking about Juventus, I was going to talk about Italy briefly because it turns out, and I don't know if you're aware of this uh, little interesting snippet of information, but in the last four years. 
in the second half of the Italian season, Inter Milan have never been off the top of the table. And now, obviously, at the start of the season, when play, when you know teams are finding their form and that, you, you get different teams in different positions. But after the winter break, for the last four years, Inter Milan have always been top. And AC Milan recently got to within a point of um, Inter because Inter had only got one point from their last seven games or something ridiculous. And uh, they still can't do it. They, they managed to draw one all and not go top. And then last night, uh, they lost to Parma with an 89th minute goal from Man City reached Valerie Bojinov. And Inter started winning again with a couple of goals from uh, Samieto Maicon. And so it seems Vorno, that Inter it? Are, it was indeed, yeah. And it seems destined that Inter Milan are going to retain that, you know, spot at the top of the. I yeah, they did. How the strange old... that Milan, you know, such a massive club with a proud history, and they couldn't find a way to, um, to topple their nearest and dearest rivals, you know. They did the old switcheroo. At the start of the season, Inter were really, really strong, and everyone was saying Leonardo of Milan has started very poorly, should be sacked. They've, they've stuck with yeah. him, given a bit of time, and just as they was within their grasp, AC have actually managed to, as you say, completely turn it round and topple themselves. They will never have a better chance yeah. because that, that squad, as we saw when they played Inter, uh, is so poor compared to Inter Milan. And Jose obviously knows this. He's actually not talking to the press anymore. I know he uh, walked straight out after the Palermo game and refused to say a single word. That's because I think maybe the pressure's slightly getting to him, although he proved against Chelsea, you know, as a tactical masterclass that I thought that game was, he still got it. It may be just the focus now yeah. back on the league. Well, I think so. I mean, I, I can't see, although in, in many ways, CSKA Moscow would be a, a dream, would be the draw that everybody was wanting in the Champions League. But of course, going away to Moscow, you know, and, and the old cliche is, you know, going away on a wet Wednesday night, but, you know, you saw how. So how much severe struggle down there and I know that Inter are a better side but I can see that being a really horrible match to watch both legs actually of Inter against Sesca Moscow um, so whether they win the Champions League or not I think they, you know, their, their priority has got to be the league Watch out for Krastic at the uh, CSK Moscow midfield he'll be one to keep an eye on I can't wait. I love the Champions League when it gets to the quarter. I, I love it anyway but I really love it when it gets to the quarterfinal stage because it seems to genuinely cut out the kind of dross that, that's been kind of, you know, working its way into the Europa League since round one. Well, you and say that. finally we're down to, you know... I'm actually really enjoying the Europa League, and I'll give you a little heads up. I well, thought, yeah, I am as well, actually. I've got a feeling Benfica are going to win the whole thing. Do you reckon? I, I do they've reckon. Got to get past, they've got to get past Liverpool. It's not an easy... T- oh, hang on a minute. What? <laughs> no, Benfica to win the whole thing. Let's come back to this at the end of the season, and hopefully I will not have looked too stupid. Well, I'm saying Fulham. They've got to get past Wolfsburg, but I say, you know, why not? Uncle Roy, European champions, in a way, uh, at the Craven Cottage. I can't wait. I think it's going to be great stuff. I think the thought there of uh, Edin Dzeko up against David Stockdale, uh, it's just it's what football's all about. Well, you see, you say that, but people would have said that about the thought of Bobby Zamora against Fabio Cannavaro at one point, and he, you know, embarrassed him. Mm. I think Cannavaro was relieved to get sent off by the end of it, you know, by, yeah. by the time he did. And, um, you know, it certainly didn't do old Zamora any uh, harm for that World Cup spot. You never know. Well, you do know. And maybe Smalling yeah, as you well. Do. <laughs> you know, y- y- young yeah. Chris Smalling playing basically non-league football, coming up against uh, the likes of Yeah, wasn't he working yeah, in a chip shop? He's now going to Man United for £10 million. Or something ridiculous. Yeah, I think Fergie's paid slightly over the odds. The first time <laughs> I saw Smalling on telly, I remember him scoring an own goal, and I thought, yeah, there's a £10 million defender. <laughs> in fact... Hello? This is part of our uh, new log uh, experiment where we do Skype, and after 53 whole minutes of it working, it then seems to break. No, I, I can still hear Howling. Oh, it doesn't matter, Paul. No, can you? Stop, just stop talking. No, because I'm just saying, you know. It's all we right. We've finished almost my... finished the whole way through the log. You're just interrupting my little anecdote. I'm having my oh, moment. I've got five minutes till oh. my moment is up. Well, please do, and then I'm going to tell you the answer to last week's quiz question. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, last night when we drew one all with Cardiff, which ruined a lot of people's accumulators, uh, we brought on a young lad called Matt Loughton, who's uh, an academy player, 18 years old for his debut, and he made a block at the end which saved a point. And it was very funny afterwards to see a lot of players on the football forum saying, he's the new Jagelka. All he did was get hit in the back with the ball, and that's it. He's the new star. So £10 million for Smalling, £20 million for Loughton, I think is only fair. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about right. Talking about um, Jagielka, part of the Everton squad that is now fully fit, and they're going great guns. Can you imagine? I mean, they, what are the odds of them finishing above Liverpool this season? I would love that, but can you imagine if he'd had a full-strength squad at the start of this uh, 
season. They really are looking impressive, I think. Yeah, although, as I mentioned my gambling, uh, I had a bet on Man City to beat Everton. And, uh, not impressed. Not impressive Man City. Yeah, he, owes man, a, he owes me a scarf. Man City can't seem to put it together. Yeah, I saw that as the update. I'll, I'll see if I can get one off him for you. Um, if you remember when the last log was, and I can't remember when that was, a couple of months ago or something, we uh, talked about Euro 96, and you guessed the first part of the quiz question because I asked who the three goalkeepers were at uh, Euro 96. And you got that right. But I also asked, what were the eight ground used in that competition? And uh, we haven't, uh, I haven't got the email up in front of me, but we did have somebody answer it right. So apologies that I'm not reading your name out now, but I can't access the internet while this Skype thing's running. I'm still in the 19th century. But the eight grounds were as correctly Well, wait a minute, uh, Paul, because before you go any further, I do have a, uh, a correct guess uh, from, from Greginio, who's uh, always quite... Uh, good at these sorts of things and likes getting in touch. Uh, okay. Chances of me finding it are probably quite slim, uh, but he did come through with all of them. So before you say all of them, I should have just got that in there. Greg Enia did get uh, all of the grounds correct. Oh, fantastic. Well, in that case, uh, it will ha- we'll have to, I don't know, we'll have to toss for it. I mean, it won't decide anything, but we'll all be a lot more relaxed and we'll work out who won from there. But the eight grounds for those of you, am I all right to say the eight grounds now? Yeah, I can't find it. Go for it. Okay, the eight crowns were Wembley, of course. Uh, the, we, we gave you that one, I think, as a, as a kind of given. Uh, and the other seven were Elland Road in Leeds, Hillsborough in Sheffield, St. James's mm. Park in Newcastle, back when it used to be called St. James's Park, the City Ground in Nottingham, Anfield, uh, Old Trafford and Villa Park, and they were the eight grounds from Euro 96. Wonderful stuff. I think that Great nowadays, times. It was. It was probably my favourite tournament. If we were to have, apart from France 98, if we were to have... Uh, that again, which of course we are with the debate about stadiums. You know, I'd be very surprised for all of those to be the entirety entirety that were chosen. We do have some fantastic stadiums that have moved on since then, and Ellen Road. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, but you think about you know Euro '96, and I know that this is one of these moments where I start getting all back in mind. Yeah. But uh, it did seem like not that long ago. But you think about the the way the game developed and the way the stadia, like you say, have developed since 1996. It's, it actually is quite a long time ago. Yeah, it's and, incomparable. Um, I would be very surprised, uh, very surprised indeed, to see the same eight grounds selected if we got another uh, major tournament here. Did you I see? It's uh, about time we did. Speaking of Euro '96, did you see Darren Anderton? Darren Anderton, oh, hello. Did you see him on ITV last night? It's the guest summarised. I, I did not. Was he on there? He was on widescreen, uh, which made his chin <laughs> just enormous. Oh, that's all I could he see. He always looks very, very uncomfortable talking about anything. Uh, yeah, does Darren Anderton? Mm. And it's been kind of echoed all the way through his entire career. But I've seen him be summarizer for a few things, and he just looks like he genuinely does not want to speak to people, mm. which is uh, something that I think Richard Keyes should probably adopt as quickly as humanly possible, <laughs> especially if Jose Mourinho's in question. I mean, I can't believe I haven't mentioned this yet. The massive kind of uh, loving that he was having on Sky yeah, Sports but with you know what? If there's one just person that. who's going to spot a loving and not let you get away with it, it was Graham Souness. Yeah, I love that. Did you? I thought that made the whole thing... Because I know what it's like to have to pre-prepare packages and be a presenter that just has to get them out, and no matter whether you agree with them or not. And right, and someone just saying, you know, can we stop all this and talk about the football? And you know in your head you've got four more packages about Mourinho <laughs> still to go. He's actually well, the thing is, quite though, awkward. Yeah, no, I can see that. And if he'd said, you know, well, you know, we've got to show this stuff and, and kind of gotten along with it a little bit, but it was the way that he sort of turned to the camera giving knowing looks and then talking about how handsome he was and just constantly you know every last thing that Keyes asked about was to do with Mourinho and his great legacy and I think that you know even if you want to kind of big him up a little bit and, and do various other things to him I think um, there are ways to kind of do it without making it that obvious no, so I, I think still think he has end, to carry a lot of the in the end, uh, you know, Mourinho did, as we've seen with the surpassed managers, did do very well, did have a great legacy and of course with the way that the game finished it was all totally, totally deserved Oh yeah, so no, I, I mean a I'm a massive I'm a massive fan of Jose, uh, as you know. Old Jose is a, is a big uh, favourite of mine. But, but I think that, you know, there are... I mean, it was pointed out to me recently that Inter against Chelsea on its own is not that huge a game. I mean, and I can see that that is, that is true. But that doesn't give us the excuse to then make it massive by pretending that Mourinho is this, you know, sort of godlike figure. Because let's be honest, that's just playing into what he wants us to say anyway. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, and and making all that fuss about it, you know, it, it was slightly uncomfortable, I think. And as Jamie Redknapp would have said, he was literally trying to make love to him in the studio. <laughs> well, Mr. Uh, Stavely, we have to leave it there. We've run out of time. Uh, and we have. Yeah, I just have to stop you there. I just have to. Um, but <laughs> we 
We've, we've done it on Skype today. It's a bit of a, an experiment and a trial. I think the delay is probably too annoying to do it again. Uh, but it's been fun. I it's been, think so. It's been adventurous. We will uh, endeavour. I think it has to be done live. We will endeavour to do it live again for you. Uh, maybe not next week. We don't know. We're both away, aren't we? Um, and, uh, yeah, not, it's going to be dearly, a difficult old time, you know? but we will try. We don't want to put that sort of thing on Facebook, obviously, but um, we are away at separate times. We won't tell you the exact dates. No, indeed, and let's, let's just keep that little air of mystery between us. But uh, if in the meantime you want to get in touch with us about anything, really, or, well, football-related, uh, don't forget that you can tweet us on twitter.com slash football log. You can email us, it's football underscore log at yahoo.co.uk. You can Facebook group us, you can Facebook fan pages, and um, apologies to... There have been three or four uh, fans of the show who tried to add me personally on Facebook, and it's nothing personal that I didn't accept your kind requests and i very much appreciate the emails that you send to the group and stuff but it's just you know what i'm like which is fairly uh anti-social yeah i've so, accepted so all of those he likes people. yeah just just yeah, carry well, on you like people you see i'm okay with people yeah you see it's never really been my forte as you know i mean it took me 10 years to like you so that's weird i work in a realm when i don't see a single person for months on end and you have to see hordes and hordes of children every day you really you have not found yes. your calling Maybe not. I ought to do a football podcast. You keep saying that. I know, and I'm not entirely sure that it's correct, but nevertheless, <laughs> here I am, and it's fabulous to be here. So, for now, I think it's time that we signed off uh, from this week's episode, or this month's episode of the Hallam Paul <laughs> Football Log, and uh, all the best, and we will see you, or speak to you. I keep saying see you, don't I? Yeah. I was just about to do a decent ending then, and I've gone and ballsed it up again. Well, I have right. that because we're both going to Spain, we'll give our own different Spanish outros. Okay, you've, do you want to go first? Because yours will actually be in Spanish, mine will okay. be in fascio Spanish. Hasta luego, que tengo un buen día. Escorcio! <laughs>